on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Did Meet the Parents solidify Robert De Niro's career turn into comedy? What would this movie have looked like under the original plan of Jim Carrey and Steven Spielberg? Where does Meet the Parents rank amongst Ben Stiller's killer run of the 2000s? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We're powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John Peck. And joining me for the first time, we have Zach from News to Reviews. How you doing? I am doing very good. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. You're on a lie detector test right now, so... Yes, I am doing very well, my friend. I'm super excited to be here. As I mentioned before we started recording... Uh, uh, I'm a I'm a massive fan of this show. I've been listening to Com- Comedy Rewind for like over a year now, at least. I think the first one I checked out was when you had uh, Sammy Deej and and Andrew from the mm-hmm. Inconsolables on to do Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a long term fan, and I'm I'm super keen to get into this movie. Oh, it's always always good to meet a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about Meet the Parents, and this is one for me that um was a really big movie for me like i was just probably around the right age to start appreciating movies in a new way i was uh 13 when this came out i remember it came out on boxing day and i was at the victor harbour cinema the closest theater to where my grandparents live in south australia and um yeah i just loved it i i went into it like knowing who ben stiller was i think through like mystery men and being a fan of that movie and yeah it, it just made me a fan of ben stiller going ahead like just that he was going to be this person that we would see in hollywood like as a leading man i guess he'd, he'd done like there's something about mary just a year or maybe two years prior i can't remember oh, um, yeah. and that, that was more of an ensemble cast he was the kind of the lead but i think it was more of like you know there was big sections of the movie where they were focusing on the other characters but in this movie he's like genuinely like the the male lead the i guess if it was a it was a weird kind of rom-com if you want to call it that (laughs) he's definitely the romantic lead um and he just does so well and and it's like uh, i don't want to say like this set the uh like the mold for the characters that he would play because he's played so many crazy characters but um this and and ted in there's something about mary they're like the lovable kind of loser that just can't seem to do things right and i think um yeah i i think that he played that for a long time in a bunch of different movies and i don't know if any of them made as much money as as meet the parents it, it was 330 million off a $55 million budget. Huge hit. Um, What's your memories of of going to see this? So, (laughs) I never saw Meet the Parents at the movies. When Meet the Parents came out, I would have been a little nine-year-old Zachary. So, Mm. (laughs) I think I was a little bit too young and the parents didn't bring me along with them. And it's not that, that Meet the Parents is really super crude there's not a lot of swears or anything like that there's nothing no like like you know to- like real bad toilet humor or anything like that but uh yeah I, I guess it was the one that i missed then i didn't see it till years later and I, I couldn't even tell you when i reckon it's been at least 10 or 15 years uh since mm. i've i've watched meet the parents but i remember when i first saw it out of that I absolutely loved it and then I just like when it, you know, I was a lot younger too it was just like you know bumbling idiot just keeps doing silly things cat does wee on toilet this is all very very funny uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man it, it's a funny movie like I, I was kind of like I've done a few Ben Stiller movies on this podcast already and I was even though this had like a special place in my like teenage years mm. I was kind of delaying it because I was kind of afraid to watch it again. <laughs> I think partly because um, Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers did so poorly by comparison. Mm. Um, we'll get to Rotten Tomatoes scores later on, but those basically tanked critically. 
And I think that like running it into the ground that way made me really trepidatious to revisit this that that you know maybe it wasn't as as great as i remember but it really was like <laughs> this is a great movie and it's so well cast with oh. robert de niro as like the the fodder for for ben stiller like those two have great chemistry because it looks awkward yeah <laughs> oh, it, it, it seems so uncomfortable <laughs> i i think that's why it's it sort of permeated culture so much because it's just something that we can all relate to it's one of those simple comedy premises that we've seen sort of replicated over the years now like you know with things like you know just horrible bosses everyone's had terrible bosses but they just take it to mm-hmm. the extreme or you know like like bad neighbors or i think they just called it neighbors in America, yeah. it's just like, you know, you get these horrible name- neighbors and it's taken to the extreme. And yeah, obviously, meet the parents. It's it's taken to the, the absolute extreme with the father of your your loved one being a secret CIA agent. Spoilers for <laughs> this this 21-year-old <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah, it's I, th- I think, yeah, it makes sense why it's, it's you know, it's it's got such lasting power for sure. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was actually... A remake. There was a 1992 independent film called Meet the Parents that was a dark comedy. Sounds even sounds really dark compared <laughs> to this. And they just bought the rights for it and turned it into this big Hollywood thing. Um, I tried to find yeah. like a trailer or something for that, but I couldn't seem to find anything. I didn't. I didn't look particularly mm. hard. Maybe you can find a a secret uh, pirate way to find something like that out yeah, there. But maybe. yeah, I couldn't come across anything. So, do you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for this one? Hopefully, you didn't see it in your research. I yeah, I may have uh, seen seen what it was. <laughs> you may have uh, I, it. I, I, I was going to maybe I, well, I was going to pretend not to know. <laughs> <laughs> what would you guess if you hadn't looked it up? <laughs> Look, I, I probably would have guessed somewhere in the in the eighties. I would have said for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would have said around 80, 85. and it, it is eighty four percent. So very well received and. That lines up with my memory of this as well. It was still a time where it was a bit of a novelty to see Robert De Niro doing comedies. <laughs> um, he had he'd done like Analyze This the year previously, and I think like The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which completely tanked and was more of just a kids movie <laughs> uh, with I think Jason Alexander. What? Um, well, wow. his big uh, his his big move after Seinfeld, but <laughs> oh. yeah, I think I think people would just loved seeing him in this still very intimidating role, mm. but um, just playing it for laughs and it like his performance is almost a, just a dramatic performance. He's still just being De Niro, mm. I think. And if if you like took Ben Stiller out of it and just saw the scenes with him, you you wouldn't necessarily realize that it's a, a comedy, except for maybe when he says like, I have nipples, can you milk me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but there's definitely an edit you could do of Meet the Parents where it's just a straight up psychological thriller for sure. That definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. Let's change up the music. Yeah. Exactly. I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of lots of okay, watching from so, a distance moments in, in, yeah. in Meet the Parents. <laughs> I took a um I took a line from a review for a film for staff who said packed with cringeworthy moments from beginning to end, Jay Roach is my screen cut off there. <laughs> Jay Roach's comedy is for anyone who has ever endured a weekend in the company of potential in laws. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that really sums it up. It is like mm. what you said just before, a very relatable premise of meeting the um, the parents, as the, as the title says, and trying to impress them, trying to get through the weekend and whatever. Have you, have you ever had to be in this kind of scenario before, whether it's with a, oh, a girlfriend yeah. or... 100% in high school. My first girlfriend, so the one where, you know, do a whole lot of figuring stuff out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, She lived with her grandparents and her grandfather was a minister. Uh, And I'll never forget, uh, just, I I, I was sort of clueless to any of that kind of stuff because my my mum did not really care about that that kind of stuff, was never worried about, you know, what, what I was up to. 
Uh, but I'll, I'll <laughs> clearly remember like being in the in the room together with the door shut and just chatting, you know what I mean? But then uh, the grandmother coming in, opening the door and then just leaving the door open, like just ask like an, an innocuous question, like, oh, are you guys going to have dinner with us or whatever? And then you're leaving the door open and I was just completely clueless as to why. Uh, like, you know, I was just didn't think anything of it. But obviously my girlfriend was like, no, she, she was left the door open on purpose just to say, yeah, do not have the door closed with you doing mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've definitely had that sort of experience. I, I can definitely relate to this film for sure. Plenty of awkward yeah, moments been nice. had by me. Yeah. I, I, one of my first, I didn't have many girlfriends before I was married, but my first girlfriend, I definitely had like a very serious talk with the father quite early in the relationship too so so it wasn't like anything like like De Niro but I did actually make the mistake of not asking uh, my father-in-law for his blessing before I proposed to my wife so that did become somewhat of a small issue that just you know had to be resolved but um yeah so it definitely brought back some some memories as I was watching this. Like, oh, that's that's yeah, that's something that people still do. Yeah, I realized that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I didn't think that was as much of a thing these days. But I guess yeah, there's still mm. peeps out there who are a bit more old school, I guess, or something. I yeah, don't know. yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's a story for another day, definitely. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so the number one song when this movie released in. Uh, Late December of 2000. Oh, Do you want to take a stab? Damn. Uh, my my musical knowledge at that stage in my life when I was nine years old was limited to whatever mm. So Fresh CD that my sister had got me for Christmas that year. <laughs> so well, that's, a, that's probably a good um, starting point because I'm, I may have had this So Fresh and I'm... Oh, yeah. So are we talking uh, these... like, like Billboard or are we talking Australian... Like this is the aria charts Arias. i've got in front of me so it's got to be like yeah well god was it like australian idol then was it like something guy sebastian or is it even no, earlier not than quite that? i think he was the next year oh dang oh who was who was think uh, like a, a a song that featured on a soundtrack yeah no I, i'm clueless i can't think okay okay so we'll backtrack a little bit 19th of November, Teenage Dirtbag, Weedus, Tw- from, the, from the movie Loser. Okay. 26th of November, Who Let the Dogs Out, had like a five-week run, and then Teenage Dirtbag came back for Christmas again and claimed it, so <laughs> that would have been the correct answer. Yes, oh, that, oh what a 2000s song that is, that's about as 2000s Definitely. as a song can get. Very. And... um. Who let the dogs out? Eventually, pu- included in like the Shrek soundtrack the following year, so it probably went to number one like again as well. <laughs> but anyway, well, what have you done for me lately? So Ben Stiller, um, as we've said in some previous episodes, is much more focused on producing and directing. So he produced a series last year called In the Dark, and he's directing a series uh, for Apple TV plus that's coming out this year called severance with adam scott so that that could be cool that could be cool um de niro he's still making movies obviously he had the comeback trail the irishman in 2020 i think the war with grandpa is his most recent one so he's still kind of mixing in the scorsese movies with the comedies (laughs) which is good to see uh, Owen Wilson, we've all just seen in Loki, which was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And Terry Polo, who I, I did not know that name going into this. She plays um, Pam, mm. the, the romantic uh, lead opposite Ben Stiller. She's really good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and she has just been in a series called The Big Leap. Also appeared in an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, its most recent season. Uh, and then Blythe Danner, who plays the wife to De Niro's character. I didn't know this at all, but um, she is Gwyneth Paltrow's mother. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. there you go. And she was in American Gods last year. Okay, cool. I think the last thing I saw Ben Stiller in, and this is even still going back a fair bit, is he did a great 
sort of uh, uh, guest guest starring role in Workaholics as the landlord mm. for the guys at the house there. And yeah, it was just it was there was a great wrestling scene at the very end of that episode. It was yeah, it was fantastic. I always love his um sort of guest starring bit bit roles that he takes up, like mm. or like even his antagonist role in 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 dodgeball where he really hams it up it's always it's always good fun yeah he's always good whether he shows up for a short amount of time or not mm. um Anch- anchor man he shows up for a short amount of time and we we did like tenacious d pick of destiny recently and he was pretty fantastic showing up as the the guy working in the guitar shop so even on friends he shows up he's... to yell at people in a yeah. movie theater yes. it's fantastic <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! Was that a and play? The, That's right. It was the yeah. bird, the little bird as well. <laughs> oh dear. Yep. And it it is a shame that he's not like still making movies the way he used to. I guess he, I guess he he knew that his like every every dog has his day, and he had his run in the two thousands, <laughs> and now he's content to not be having putting all that pressure on himself as the lead. <laughs> Zoolander 2 didn't do very well. Um, he, he still makes movies occasionally, but mm. they're more like indie, kind of like less mainstreamy kind of things, mm. which he's always had an interest in. So makes sense, I guess. Okay. Zach, what's the most 2000s moment of Meet the Parents? I I agonized over this question and I can't pinpoint in my mind like all, all the sort of all the sort of 2000 stuff i can think of all sort of i guess relate more to questions that we'll get into later on in the mm-hmm. podcast of you know technology and and maybe some jokes that don't hold up quite as sure. much um but yeah i couldn't think of anything specific that really stood out to me as just being very emblematic of the 2000s i don't, I don't know could you think of anything um, I, I wrote down a few things that we can run through. Mm-hmm. So, the first one I had is that from almost the beginning of the movie, we see that he's a smoker, which I feel like is much more of a statement now. If you had someone smoking in a movie, it would be like almost impossible to do it without them being like a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of badass. Um but he's not either of those things. He's just a nurse, for starters. Um, and he's smoke. He's just casually smoking. <laughs> and I think that it's so much like more frowned upon now to include that in a movie. Like mm. characters don't really smoke unless it's to show that it's set in the fifties or that they're a cowboy or that that they're a bad guy or that they're some kind of like you know, badass. So I feel like that in itself dated the movie a little bit. Other than that, um, like Jack mentions the nanny cam being this new technology and (laughs) it's this, yeah, it's this new thing and you can hide the camera and I'm like, yeah, that's seems like a very 2000s infomercial kind of thing, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, we had the scene where he's on the payphone in the restaurant. That seems like you would never happen, even like a few years after this movie came out. Uh, and the whole airport scene at the end as well. So this movie's pre nine eleven, and that that gives it a bit of a different context to the whole. Like, there's a bomb on in in my bed. Oh, not there's a bomb. He's like. There's not a bomb. <laughs> and then the guy, the the like, the like police is in- interrogating him and saying, you can't say bomb on a plane. And I feel like if this movie came out two years later, he would have known that you can't say bomb on a plane because security beefed up so much more after, obviously, the, the terrorist attack. Um, so, yeah, very pre-9-11 kind of scene that oh, we had there. yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, far out. Uh, yeah, no, totally totally in agreement with that one. Okay, so what did you have for the most iconic scene? This was a tough one for me because there's so many great, great ones and so many, frankly, iconic scenes. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think for me, it's got to be the polygraph test scene just because like it, it was in all the trailers. It was on every single poster, Robert De Niro mm-hmm. there with, with Ben Stiller hooked up to the polygraph machine. But yeah, as, as you said, there's so many different scenes that we could we could easily choose from. There's the the whole rooftop scene where he's trying to get the cat and he ends up lighting the entire place on fire. Uh, there's the dinner scene, uh, sitting down with, with yeah. uh, Robert De Niro talking about milking, being able to milk a cat. Uh, uh, the water polo <laughs> scene. Uh, yeah, there's so many that you yes. could pick from that are just absolute standouts for sure. You just mentioned the three that I wrote down to. So lie, lie detector, you know, everyone's <laughs> worst nightmare. Pretty much like the the two of them, no escape, no one else there to like lighten the the mood. Um, saying grace, that whole scene, and the way that it leads into like the cat and the ashes and the urn, like it's just like the biggest cringe and comedy comedy of errors. And yeah, the the water polo like. So, uh, something about him jumping in the air in slow motion and just spiking that ball into her face that's <laughs> hilarious um <laughs> it and it's it's really the beginning of i think that's really the beginning of the end for him as far as like mistakes that can't be fixed <laughs> definitely there was there was so much blood but then afterwards you saw that it was like she had a swollen eye but her nose seemed fine so i was very confused as yeah. to what the exact injury <laughs> was but yeah dang when you see her come up from the water and there's all the blood in the water and she's screaming and holding onto her face yeah that was a <laughs> far out what a scene Hard to forget oh dang and then also i want to shout out the outro like the credits sequence for this movie um where jack's watching back the surveillance tape and uh, Greg is like talking to him through the nanny cam. That is hilarious. Um, it's kind of out of character the way that he's like doing his kung fu moves at the camera, mm. but it's so Ben Stiller, and it's to me it's clearly improvised as well. Mm. Um, and I love that. That was something that I I love to so just rewatch that when I, when I had the the DVD or whatever. Um, and also, like, the, the the plane scene where he's trying to check the bag and the whole speech that he does that ends in telling her to step off. Like, that scene, um, <laughs> it's so funny when, he, when he's saying, like, I just want... I just want to do what I want to do, which is not to be talking to you and left alone. And he's just, like, breaking down in front of this whole plane of people with his bag and his kung fu grip around the bag oh, so yeah, is, that, yeah as you said such a big no-no now and apparently they've even they they when that when meet the parents is shown on flights they remove that scene from, from the movie probably because he says bomb over and over again i'm guessing <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's they just remove like the lines that refer to bombs or the entire scenes but either way you can understand why people might not want to see that when they're <laughs> 10 you know th- a mile in the in the sky or whatever it is <laughs> ten thousand feet oh, yeah all right what did you have as holding up the best because there's some things that have <clears throat> aged really well in this movie yeah look uh, i i know i've like I've, there's a lot of stuff i love about this movie uh and I, but i think the thing that holds up the best out of all of it has to be the dynamic between Greg and Jack or, you know, Ben Stiller and mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. Their, their their relationship and their dynamic is is just played to absolute perfection. Robert De Niro is so intimidating. Like, he would... Like, he, he'd scare the crap out of anyone. You see just people when, when people try to interview the guy on the red carpet, they're, they're clearly terrified, even though, like, I'm sure he's mm. a sweet dude. Uh, it's just that he just has this, this real menacing demeanour about him and Ben Stiller just does a great job of being like the sort of straight man foe, like just anxiety riddled, uh, bumbling mm. fool basically, which I guess we can all sort of relate to. It's, it's just perfect. Like some of the, some of the moments where Robert De Niro will just, will communicate so much and just the way he looks and just in his passive aggression, yes, like the first yeah. time when, <laughs> uh, when, uh, 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 Ben Stiller's wife, uh, or is, you know, soon to be fiance Damn, yeah. uh, uh mentions that 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 
Greg doesn't like cats and 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 you know, says that he hates cats. And Robert De Niro goes, yeah, well, it's, it's okay. Some people hate things. Like, like I, I hate things. And like, sort of looks at him right in the eye <laughs> with this expression, like it's with this implied threat of, you know, but watch out or you could be one of the things that I end up hating. Uh, it's, it's, it's just all played so well. And it's, it's just, it's amazing. And it still holds up so well to this day. Yeah, no, it's really well said. I can't disagree with any of that. And it is so fun to see for the most of the movie, Greg is trying to suck up to Jack and win his affection. And then it just flips and they're both driving home, trying to beat each other to get home before, you know, he can reveal that the cat's a fake or whatever. I don't know what Ben Stiller's plan is oh. here. He's, he's going to like hide the cat. I don't know. Who, who would have stayed dra- in that car? Like <laughs> by the second light, you would be j- get, jumping out of that car because you'd be terrified that he's losing his mind. <laughs> it, yeah. it makes no sense today. It's so funny though, like the way they're drag racing. And like I said, ben, uh, Greg is sucking up to him the whole movie. But when that scene happens... It's like he's like I'm not afraid of you anymore, <laughs> and he he does the like I'm watching you, and <laughs> and Jack looks at him like almost like in surprise, like oh really? Okay, like, you, all right. You're all gonna right. you're gonna you're watching me, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good. Um, so what holds up the best? I, I did have De Niro as a, as a comic actor and still as a lead. Like this movie set, I think the the pace for them for the next 10 years at least um owen wilson's sweater when he first shows up holds up very well um we just saw chris evans wearing a similar sweater in knives out a few years ago and that became like a really big um thing on the internet so it's basically the same sweater as far as i'm concerned so 20 like you know almost 20 years earlier and he's he's done it <laughs> he, he looks great and still um, just as relevant owen wilson it's great good on yeah. him he's great um the way that this movie is is crafted there's so many callbacks and there's so many things that come up early in the movie that become relevant later on so i, th- mm. I feel like that just makes it feel like a really clever film um for example like the, almost one of the first scenes is um he's being told that he can't smoke Mm. when he's around the dad when they arrive it's the broken toilet it's the don't let the cat outside um it's you know they when when you first see this wedding altar that owen wilson's character made he talks about the lacquer and it's still drying or whatever Mm. so there's all these things all these setups that happen early in the movie even like foreshadowing the bag not fitting on the through the through the um the x-ray machine and mm. ultimately that leads to the bag gets lost and then he tries to check it at the end mm. and that's the reason that the plane never takes off so there's just a lot of these things that i guess as a writer i look at it and go i wonder if they came up with these issues and then they reverse engineered the foreshadowing which is a really easy way to do that but it just comes across really clever um even like a great example that i found in doing some research that you might have seen was when they're at the drugstore, the song that's playing is a Godspell tune called Day by Day. <laughs> and that's the lyrics that he quotes when he's saying grace <laughs> in the next scene. And I never knew that. I, I don't know that song. I I, mm. I I think I saw Godspell when I was like in primary school or something, but I would never have, have picked that. I just thought it was a hilarious prayer. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very, there's very, a lot uh... of, of layers. Yeah, it's it's very arrested development, you know, like they just they set up yeah. some payoffs later on, which I really like. It's very clever. I think even just Ben Stiller's character being a smoker was pretty much purely a plot device. It was to set up, you mm-hmm. know, later on the cigarettes getting thrown onto the roof, which is, you know, also a plot device to not only show how controlling uh, that that Jack was as as the the, the patriarch of the family. Uh, but also to yeah set up just this slapstick scene later on with him lighting the entire altar on fire, which obviously they also set up earlier on that it still had lacquer drying on it, uh, mm-hmm. which which is yeah just so clever. There's multiple things happening throughout the film to set up that one scenario uh, that culminates later on. Very very clever. I love it. Yeah, it's not just slapstick for the sake of 
of something crazy happening it's it's a it's almost like a um it's a rube goldberg machine like one thing leads to another and leads to another leads to another yes yes yeah it feels like that when you're watching this movie yeah yeah okay so what holds up the worst we we mentioned the smokes like i work in healthcare so i think a nurse who smokes even though some people even though there's a lot of healthcare workers who somehow still smoke i think that that seems like it doesn't really fit with his character um but uh, uh yeah, yeah th- that's that's all i could come up with really i don't know i kind of yeah i kind of disagree there i kind of feel like it does fit with his character because his character his character is an idiot and that's i don't know that's <laughs> uh, i had a few things that didn't <laughs> didn't hold up com- like entirely for me the first was like there's a little bit of dialogue in some places that was a bit clunky particularly at the ver- around the very start where he's about to propose to pam uh, and he gets the just so happens to get a phone call from her sister, who'd just been pr- mm-hmm. proposed to by her uh, 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 boyfriend, who'd been they've been together for like an even shorter amount of time. But there was like this bit of dialogue where it's like, oh, I can't believe he knew to ask dad's permission, and it just felt like this kind of it was it's very much inserted in there just to, as a plot device, and just didn't feel like kind of realistic, uh, uh, like sort of realistic conversation. It felt kind of sure. like out of place. You feel like you wouldn't see it as much in a modern comedy these days. But the rest of the writing, I, like I find later on, like all the dialogue between uh, Jack and 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 Gaylord <laughs> is is fantastic. Um, but yeah, like I, I'd say, there's definitely a lot of jokes in there that don't quite hold up to this day. Like, like the, um, th- there's that recurring joke of him being a nurse and somehow it sort of being emasculating, mm. which I think e- even back then, back in, the, in 2000, when this came out, though, it might've been a bit more of an accepted view. Even then, I think it was still to show like, oh yeah, these people that he's dealing with, they're not good people. You're not supposed to like these people. Uh, but it just like it was hammered at home so much and and repeated like even at one point where he like when they asked that he's when he's uh, it, when he mentions someone mentions that he's in medicine and they ask what he does and he mentions nursing everyone just absolutely cracks up yeah and I don't know it just felt felt these days kind of a lot more mean spirited to me and and almost like like cartoonishly evil like it just almost isn't believable in this day and age to come across people who think like that though I'm sure there probably still is. There's some of them out there. Um, I don't mm. know. Would you, would you agree with that at all? Like- yeah, I, I mean, it, it still is a very much female-dominated industry mm. or field, I guess. Um, but you, there's a lot of male nurses and there's a need for a lot of male nurses. Mm. And something that, that was missing from the movie, I guess, is um, Greg pushing back and saying, actually, mm. you know... Like he he does he does say why he decided not to become a doctor. You know, I prefer to work with patients. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, he doesn't really push back and and kind of make them go. Oh, you know what? Fair enough. But actually, the, yeah, that's a good point. Like it's it's because he's not. He kind of gets bullied. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not a smart character. Like the, the, there's one moment that particularly annoyed me, and um, it, it was when he was reading the the uh, the magazine to pretend he was like being occupied whilst <laughs> whilst Jack was off doing his his dodgy dealings, and it turns out it's like the breast pump magazine, and his and his explanation was I'm on a farm. It's like, man, you're a nurse, <laughs> you're in medicine. Like, yes. could you have not come up with a better excuse yeah, I than I, I grew up on a farm? Purely uh, also knowing that you're from detroit uh i don't know <laughs> yeah he could have said oh i'm i do some shifts on the postnatal ward and that. absolutely you know, could have said anything <laughs> <laughs> could have been a could have been a lot of things and I, and I think that's the biggest thing that kind of didn't hold up to me in general was just i didn't find i didn't find any characters in there that i could i could, I could sort of relate to 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 uh to jeff a bit uh just sort of being anxiety riddled but i feel like his decisions were just so stupid a lot of the time and to the point eventually where he kind of just makes like really just sort of morally repugnant kind of decisions yes. later on in the film where it's yeah. just like i can't get on board with what he's doing <laughs> at all at this point um I've, i just i end up hating every character even like pam who's meant to be i guess the one that you're mm. supposed to like in the shining beacon of light and all of this um uh, she she like like springs so much stuff 
onto Ben Stiller's character, onto Jeff, just out of the blue, like, you know, like, you Craig, know, oh, you yeah. can't, you can't smoke and you can't leave the cigarettes in the car because Jack's going to check the car. So she just throws the cigarettes on the roof and then, you know, going to visit her, her ex uh, fiance yeah. <laughs> and and just like spring it on him at the very last second it's like I, I can't i cannot get on board with any of these characters i hate them all perhaps it may be maybe the only redeeming character would have to be uh pam's mum uh jack's wife i think i'm forgetting a name off the top of my head what, a, what about owen wilson's character like oh, even. i feel i kind of feel for him like <laughs> he's still he's still in love with this chick he's got photos of her like all around his house it's kind of sad <laughs> yeah tr- yeah true and he's got everything going for him and he's he's kind of he's pretty he's actually pretty polite to here's here's a, a um he does assume he does make assumptions that aren't fair to greg about like you know are you a homeowner like what's your stock portfolio yeah. like. like he's asking him these questions but he doesn't um, he doesn't realize that he's i guess maybe making him feel inadequate by asking these questions so it's more of an ignorance than anything that's um judgmental like the others like the the doctors and that kind of thing yeah yeah oh yeah they're, yeah they're just absolutely the worst for sure yeah. <laughs> in every every moment <laughs> but i i hear you because at towards the start of the movie it's like they're picking on greg and it feels like he can't do anything right even mm. though he's like trying yeah. like he makes the toast he, he buys the expensive rare plant that no one appreciates he he buy, tries to buy an expensive bottle of wine they don't have any <laughs> so the thing he, with you know, the urn, that was the that was just an accident that really wasn't his fault <laughs> yes exactly um and he does. He, I guess the thing he does is lie, and that's like the cardinal sin yeah. to to Jack. Is like he lies about not hating cats. He lies about um, growing up on a farm, milking a cat. Like he starts <laughs> to do these little tiny lies, and then it's not his fault that um, Denny's a, a pothead, and like Jack doesn't realize it yet for whatever reason, and mm. he gets pinned with the the pipe, and then from then on, it's like. That's almost the the beginning of the end for him. And well, then he starts doing these bigger and bigger lies and he's spray painting a cat by the end of it. Yeah. Well, one thing that definitely doesn't hold up to me is I feel like Jack's character would be far more maligned in a modern movie these days. Like, he he's just like he's just reprehensible he's horrible like he's a complete control f- mm. freak he's got like so- sociopathic tendency tendencies he thinks it's yes. okay to <laughs> surveil everyone in his house there's even like a brief moment where he's talking about the surveillance where you see his wife like give a kind of look of being like yep we're always being watched and it just kind of it's this subtle thing that happens at one stage in the movie that really creeped me out and then it, like even the final moment that you were talking about uh, uh, in the film where he's, you know, doing his sort of karate moves. I believe even in that moment, uh, Ben Stiller's character was doing it at a photo frame and he was just thinking it was a photo of Robert De Niro's character. It's like, at the end of the day, he hasn't learned anything. He's still sitting there watching his family members and yeah. spying on them. Bear in mind, one of those cameras, you see the angle is facing right down on the toilet. Why you need to be watching your peeps <laughs> go onto the toilet yeah, like there's definitely he sort of gets told off a little bit by his daughter at one point uh, for you know like mm. being too hard on on um, on Jeff, but like you know even like for a lot of his criticisms of Jeff about him lying and stuff were were quite valid. But yeah, it sort of never addressed how insane Robert De Niro is, really. I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and and I think. It's he's meant to he's meant to be like that, and mm. then his redemption is basically that he just through getting told off for the whole like MCATs thing, where he actually did pass his test. He has this like come to Jesus moment, where it's like, ah, oh, he makes my daughter happy. Maybe I should not be harsh on him. And then he goes to the airport. He pr- basically proposes <laughs> to Greg. <laughs> on behalf of his his daughter, which is kind of twisted as well. It's almost like this ownership, like he, like yeah. she's his property kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, and he's he's like 
in that moment, he's very understanding. He's like saying, like, oh, did you only lie because you wanted to impress me mm. and be, all this stuff? And so I guess he kind of has his redemption as a character. But you're, you're right. It's still, even, even if I was him and having made amends, I'd still be very cautious around that guy. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, who would be most offended? You mentioned nurses i think that would be a big one i think that um they don't go far enough to stick up for the male nurses Mm. in the world and how valid that is and how elitist it is to assume that it's it's actually sexist it's actually sexist to women to say that a man shouldn't be a nurse Mm. because it's like saying that's a, a woman's job and a man should reach higher than a woman. Like it's so backwards. Yeah. And it's 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 demeaning to him, but it's also demeaning to all nurses. Yeah. And back then, so, I think it was yeah. more like sort of just ha ha or, or whatever. It wasn't quite as I think it, as I said. Even then, it was back then. It was still not a great opinion to have. But like I think it was more widely accepted. But just now, it just seems just cartoonishly ignorant, really, to to judge a man for wanting to be a nurse. It just seems ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, and I guess they don't go far enough to show that the people asking the questions are the ignorant ones. Mm. Like, it's okay to... I, I totally think it's okay to um, make those kinds of jokes when it's at the expense of the, the person that's being offensive in that instance, mm. not at the expense of the person that's being bullied. Yeah. So I think if it was if, if it was made now, that's that would be a key difference. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think there's any Look, real the- offensive things. There's like the gay lord fucker thing, and it's like, yeah. okay, that's not. It's just a funny name, I guess. Like it's a, a name that means something that you probably wouldn't want it to mean. Yeah, as a pun, and it's not. I don't think that's offensive. Personally. Well, yeah. Well, I think fucker was already a silly name. Adding gay to it didn't really make it any funnier. But I guess back in two thousand, <laughs> you know, gay was like, you know, gay is funny back then which yeah definitely doesn't hold up now so maybe yeah maybe but i also said also possibly maybe jewish people as well there's like a couple of weird jokes like maybe maybe someone being forced to do grace when they're not you know they're not part of that religion might not hold up quite as well these days and also there was like a weird moment where uh you know owen wilson's character is talking about uh, uh, you know, the reason why he got into carpentry was because he wanted to follow in Jesus's footsteps. And then Robert <laughs> De Niro just, you know, looks straight at Owen Wilson and goes, oh, he's Jewish. Like, as if that's supposed to explain why he just shouldn't give a about this story. Sorry, excuse my language. Uh, but <laughs> it, just, it, it just seemed really weird and sort of out of place. Like, oh yeah, a Jewish person can't sort of hear a story about Jesus and just and, yeah. and, and be understanding of it. it. It was super, super bizarre. So maybe that, but I think that's kind of a bit of a stretch. I, I don't think. Yeah, I think so. It is funny though. Like, again, Owen Wilson, he covers it. He's like, oh, JC was Jewish too. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a nice yes. thing to do. Which um, I do want to mention the- that we get an Owen Wilson wow in this movie and it's in that oh, moment did. he's like so was jc wow it was oh, <laughs> perfect perfect so yeah great <laughs> gotta get that in there yep. uh, but the i think that the grace thing it was more that greg's not religious rather than the fact that he's jewish because Jew, you know jewish people pray to god as well it's the same god mm. um yeah. Anyway, but they still, that, but that was point. still the reasoning for why he shouldn't do it. Like, because because Pam goes, but mum, he's Jewish. But then, then Robert De Niro's yeah, like, well, but, that but then, doesn't mean he can't, <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Just uh, as I yeah. said, it's a stretch. But I, I, it, that was the only bit I was a bit like, yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, yeah it might be a, a cultural difference. Anyway, mm. um, does meet the parents pass the internet relevancy test? via memes and gifs i I think yes um it's not something you see like constantly Mm. but it's if you want to i think it's it's something that holds that kind of relevance that everyone's seen it everyone knows it you know that the jack i'm watching you like pointing at his eyes and doing the gesture like that is an easy one to find um just if you type in meet the parents into like a, a, a GIF search, you you will find like the volleyball thing and it's a bunch of like different reactions that 
that you can find. So I think that it's, it's up there and there's definitely some staying, like some, It's it's got some, what's the word? Like it, it's stuck around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For, for me, like I, I, I don't see, I've never, I've, I've not really ever seen a lot of meet the parents memes get floating about around there, around there. And I don't see a lot of it. And I, I don't see it referenced a lot in pop culture either and I, I don't know why maybe it's because i know I don't, I don't find it the quotable is not that that quotable is not many times in my day-to-day life that i can yeah. be like i have nipples can you milk me <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> so as much as it's a, a movie that i think we can relate to you know meeting the parents is something that a lot of us have to go through for me yeah i just i yeah i maybe it's just sort of my circle that i hang out with i haven't found it's really been something that's been at the tip of mm. our tongues yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. I think it's um, it is interesting, like why some movies are quotable and others aren't. Mm. Like, it, yeah, it's it's a funny thing. Yeah, um, how would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? I didn't really have anything written down for this. So, what what have you come up with? So, uh, there was the, m- the the moment at the start where uh, Robert De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro's character Jack, gets a phone call at the house, and he's like, "Oh, you know, if someone else answers." Uh, you know, use an accent and say whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'd just have some kind of CIA burner phone. Even back then, he probably could have had like a CIA <laughs> burner phone or something like that. So it was kind of uh, unnecessary. Mm. Um, there's a moment I, th- I think I think the uh, SA- the the MCATs get faxed to yes, to PM. Right, so that's like <laughs> something that just would not happen. It'd be emailed or they just send it via messenger or something like that. So that would definitely yeah. uh definitely be it. And and yeah, just like, you know, meeting to to exchange documents with uh that gentleman in a parking lot, they probably would have just sent a lot of that through electronically. Other than passports, obviously they wouldn't be able to do do that. But yeah, mm. other than that, I couldn't really see there wasn't a lot of it wasn't one of those movies that relied a lot on technology for its plot. So so for the yep. most part, it, it's not really dated in in those respects. Yeah, to to kind of fuse that with the next question, could you make it today? I think you definitely could, and it wouldn't be a super different thing as mm. far as the the plot. Like that, there might be some small differences, um, but it, I, yeah, like it would be, it would it would be Greg finding. A message pop up on Jack's phone that says something about Kosamui instead of, you know, a handwritten note or yeah. a, a overhearing a, a a conversation maybe um in a in a parking lot. So yeah, yeah, I think it, it um there's nothing about it that would stop it from getting made today. It's just um. It's just a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a formula that that would sort of work so well today. And and like I think it sort of kicked off those kinds of movies that I was mentioning before, like Bad Neighbors and all that, like where they get that simple relatable premise and just sort of take it to the extreme. I could, I could so easily seeing this see this be remade today. Mm. We kind of had a spin on the formula for this one with that Why Him movie with um yes, James Franco. And, and Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah. Where, well, which I thought was a pretty funny movie. I don't think it was quite on the levels of what Meet the Parents was uh, back in the day. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like I thought, I thought that was pretty hilarious. So it, it definitely could be done today. I think these days, if it was made, we'd probably see a little bit more diversity in the cast. It was very white. True. This this cast for sure. Um, but but other than that, um, yeah, like it's it's a formula that would just work sort of perfectly. In the modern day. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, I got some useless trivia to throw out here. This seems to be quite a big part of like the origin story for this movie that you probably saw in your research too. But apparently at one time, Jim Carrey was slated to star as the lead in this movie. And Steven Spielberg was attached or was like being pursued to direct it. And I can't even imagine what this... Yeah movie would look like with <laughs> Steven Spielberg who doesn't do a lot of comedy and Jim Carrey um being just a completely different performer to Ben Stiller it would really change that performance what do you think that would have looked like oh there just would have been far more of an em- emphasis on those slapstick moments I, I think I, I but yeah I just like you I just I couldn't even picture it it's just one of those films where the casting is just so perfect you just can't sort yeah. of picture anyone else 
in those roles. But yeah, didn't he apparently come up with the name Fokker as well? Like a, yeah. that was sort of rumoured that he came up with that? Yeah, he um, apparently contributed a bunch of jokes to it, um, including using that name, which um, I believe the ratings board was going to deny unless they could prove that it was a real name. <laughs> and it, it was in a phone book, so they got away with it. Um, and then I also read that... Uh, Christopher Walken was the other potential um, option for the for the De Niro character, which I think that would have worked. Mm. He's probably intimidating in different ways to <laughs> De Niro, um, and he like they, they kind of went that way in Wedding Crashes um, with him being the love interest father, though he's much less intimidating than than what Jack is in this film. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a, another cool trivia thing here where he says that he's um, spent 19 months in a Vietnamese prison camp, made him a patient man, which is apparently a reference to The Deer Hunter, where De Niro's character spends time in a Vietnamese prison camp. Is it a coincidence or is it a clever little <laughs> nod? I'll, I'll let you be the judge. <laughs> okay, it's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. I didn't have a lot of people jumping out at me for this. Mm. Um, there are some smaller roles with people who... I mean, like, the whole family, apart from the parents, are kind of just there. Like, yeah. they don't do much, including Denny. So, I guess the nominees for this would be Owen Wilson, who has a, a bit to do, but not a ton. And then Judah Freelander, who just randomly shows up in the in the drugstore and says that he can buy eight bottles of twelve dollar wine or whatever uh, or champagne <laughs> instead of spending a hundred dollars. Also, I'll give a shout out to Carly Rocha. I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she plays the flight attendant towards the end of the film because mm. she, she's very funny in her completely by the book performance as this flight attendant you know she's doing the pa announcement when there's no one in the building basically i was, I was uh, on that, his side funny. at that moment until yeah. he started yelling on the plane <laughs> yeah yeah he kind of takes it too far when everyone kind of gasps <laughs> gasp uh, but yeah, I think Owen Wilson probably deserves it for me. Judah Freeland is fine, but Owen Wilson's always funny, except for when he's sadly sitting in the restaurant by himself, unable to dance with anyone. <laughs> he's all right. He's going to be just fine, Owen Wilson. Yeah, he'll he'll do fine. I, I had the exact... I'm surprised he hasn't moved on already, you know, like, <laughs> he's a catch, clearly a catch. He's very wealthy. Very wealthy, very talented. Uh, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I had the exact same, but my two top ones were Judah Friedlander and Owen Wilson as well too. Mm. Uh, Judah Friedlander, I, I love it. Apparently that most of that scene was was improvised as well too, which I thought was pretty cool. I don't think this is a very heavily improvised scene, but there was a bit of touch of that here or there. Um, was was the prayer scene improvised as well too? Was that written? Okay, I, um, I think because it's the song that was playing in the the drugstore prior then it must have been yeah, sure, it's written. somewhat uh scripted yeah. but maybe he threw it, it goes for a long time yeah. so maybe he threw in a bunch of his own but look at <laughs> I, th I think <laughs> i particularly <laughs> i think i particularly like that just because i'm a big 30 rock fan, fan so to see uh, yeah. Free friedlander in there i was like oh i don't remember him being in this that's awesome that's really cool but I don't know. Owen Wilson says wow in this. I, I don't think you can beat that. <laughs> That's just epic in, in itself. Yeah. Yeah. When he's saying like, when, there's parts of that prayer that do sound like they're improvised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I was wondering when I was Definitely. watching the scene. Yeah. See thee more clearly. Follow thee more nearly. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is from... Um, from Godspell, but man, <laughs> just randomly starts it's, rhyming. It's it was, so funny. Oh, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. All right. This brings us to the conclusion 
where we have to ask, is Meet the Parents still a good movie? Zach. Okay, so look, I think... I think it's a very well-constructed movie. and I think uh, there's a lot of aspects I really like about it, like, you know, those callbacks, uh, the the the, uh, the back and forth between Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller. But I don't know. I think for me, I don't know if it's just sort of comedy is a bit different these days and it's sort of like, like you know, you're getting just thrown so many jokes per minute and it, there's so much improvisation in mo- modern comedy where it's really not like that. It's a bit more of a slow burn i found myself self still laughing mm-hmm. a lot uh but not not quite as much as what i what i might have been in an, an man or something like that um but but yeah sure. I, look i think for me if i had a character there that i could really like then maybe <laughs> i would have enjoyed it more i think maybe with a modern film there probably would be someone in there that was uh, i don't know more you, more you could get on board with um but yeah i, I don't know for me i i, I enjoyed it but it's definitely not something that I, I would put in the regular rotation for for good. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I I think I I don't think I really need to like a character in a comedy as long as it's funny. Mm. Um, in drama, it's I think it's much more important that you like connect with someone. Mm. Um, but this kind of reminded me of watching like Kirby Enthusiasm or, um. You know, something with like Ricky, Ricky Gervais where it's like, it's just cringe and you're just mm. holding your breath, hoping that they can get out of the situation. Um, yeah, and- I, I, I get, like, I like, sh- I like shows like um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and all those characters mm-hmm. are absolutely reprehensible, Terrible, but they're yeah. all, they all always cop it for their actions. They always end up seeing repercussions for the things that they do and, 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 and it happens at the end of every sort of episode where I feel like it just sort of didn't happen for these characters. Like a lot of them just sort of get away with a lot of messed up stuff. Ben Stiller paints a cat's tail <laughs> and lies <laughs> about the identity of a cat. Like that's just like, I, why would anyone would do that? I do not know. <laughs> He's just he, he gets in trouble though. <laughs> he does. He gets, he gets in trouble for that. Um, but yeah, Robert, Robert De Niro never really faces any ramifications for, uh, any of his actions yeah. uh yeah i don't know i i yeah I, st- I still found it funny but like you know wasn't wasn't you know laugh out loud you know laughing the entire way through uh, like i might mm-hmm. from for some other movies yeah sure yeah i i really enjoyed rewatching it i found that the time went pretty quickly like it's a pretty quick moving movie it doesn't really drag anywhere the mm. pacing's really good yeah. there's always like a um you know we listed some of those iconic scenes before and they almost roll one into the next into the next into the next without mm. any downtime which makes it really pop and i think that it really holds up um to, to rewatch now which you probably wouldn't be able to say about the sequels to this so mm. if you're in the mood for um for some ben stiller like, i think this would be one of the probably one of the five ben stiller movies I would recommend people watch if they, if they're, if they for some reason haven't seen any. Yeah. Um, it's up there with something about I'd, Mary and maybe oh, Tropic Thunder and a couple of others. Oh, Zoolander. I'm a Zoolander dog. Zoolander, of course. Yeah. yeah don't see the sequel cool. for that one either. That one is not, <laughs> not great. No. That's the other thing I, I should have mentioned before is that Ben Stiller is a producer on the Dodgeball sequel, which apparently is happening. Oh. Okay. And hopefully it's better than the Zoolander sequel. Ah. Anyway, that is the end of the podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to subscribe, share it with your friends, tell them how much fun you had listening. You can grab your 8-bit merch over at shop8bit.net. It's a comedy rewind inspired t-shirt with like a Sony VHS throwback design. So check that one out. Uh, If you really want to support us you can get over to our Kofi page that's ko-fi.com slash we are 8-bit dollar a month or a few dollars a month is all it takes to get in on the fun and get yourself some nice little rewards in exchange and if that's too much then surely you can just leave us a little rating a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts in Spotify and Podchaser you can leave a review just you know let us know what you think of the show and um, help get the word out there 
via the algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach, is there anything you wanted to put out there as far as where people can find you? Um, what content you have coming out, any of that good stuff. Ooh, yeah, so I do a podcast called News to Reviews. We're a video game news and impressions podcast where we just talk about the biggest news in gaming and then, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever new games have been coming out or whatever we've been happening, happening to play that week. And we get a guest on every single week to talk about that stuff as well too. We've had Brendan White on and Miss Ali Hart from The Hungry Gamers and also Kat Benstead from TGIF who uh, like listeners to your podcast would be familiar with. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. So you can check that out anywhere you like listening to podcasts basically. And you can also hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter's the best place to keep track of everything we are doing. And our Twitter handle is at News to Reviews. That's with a number two instead of the word two. Brilliant. Excellent. Uh, you can catch me on socials at Jono himself. And uh, dear listeners, we want to thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Until next episode, be kind. <laughs> <laughs>